know why. I don't believe this, Aquan! Aquan, buddy! Aquan, buddy, you crazy thing! What you doing here? Search. Search. Look at your head! I love it short! Turn around! Turn around! I don't believe how perfect you look! And then finally you have black hot poopies, which are totally retro, which I love. You you put a really good package together. You remember Billy Rosewood? Billy! Billy! I remember you. Do you remember? Of course. I made you an espresso at the art gallery with lemon twist. It was the last one I ever made. What happened to your art gallery that you had? The art gallery is completely bankrupt in the toilet. Why? Because we had an owner who was obstinate and stupid and ignorant. You shot him, remember? You oh, remember right. him? Yes, I shot him. What are you doing there? I'm doing guns. Come and look. Come and look. It's okie dokie. Okie dokie. Hey, nice little kid. How you doing? Nice little boy. Good to see you. I love you, okie dokie. Hey, okie. Do the okie shuffle. Okay, 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 okay. That's not right. It's like this. Hey, listen, kid. I'm okie dokie, and I change the steps. You got a problem with that? You're supposed to be nice to me no matter what I do. Oh, you little Yeah. Welcome to Sweet Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Magmasunas. How's everybody doing today? doing great. Today is a very good day. Today is the day that Sweep Delay Podcast was born. That's right, folks. One year ago today, Sweep Delay Podcast, with the help of Jason, came out, and uh, man, was that a horrible first episode. Gosh, I can't even go back and listen to it so bad. But, you know, it's been a super fun ride this past year, and uh, I'm looking forward to this upcoming year. And you're probably wondering, what's up, Mike? You're doing the double feature, Beverly Hills Cop 3 and Short Circuit, but there's no Andrew. Okay, here's the thing. Andrew's not kicked off the show. Uh, I still have a co-host, but here's the thing. Andrew's a very busy guy, okay? There's about a 10-year difference between us. You know, I got a family. You know, I got a schedule. I got uh, a well-established job. So pretty much everything is a consistent day-in, day-out kind of day versus Andrew he is you know he's trying to build his his work experience and get a really awesome job so he's super busy and uh, we just can't get together and here's the thing I would rather have you know you guys have been with me almost 50 episodes so you already are used to me solo and I don't want to put out one episode a month that's just stupid I hate podcasts to do that I've always said from the beginning that this was a once a week podcast and that's what I'm going to continue to do so just expect maybe three episodes a month you'll get me and then on one episode you'll get Andrew but you know I'm still going to do all the lists so keep the same format we go I'm still going to have a good time and uh, I'm really looking forward to it so I hope you guys are cool with the fact of me uh, still recording episodes for you every week just like I promised because I love podcasts that send out an episode every week and uh, it's just a lot easier for me just to do it so I just want to let you know Andrew's not with me but when he does come on next time we'll get his thoughts on Beverly Hills Cop 3 so you guys know what he thinks but before we get into our first ever STL double feature let's get into some movie and music news
Figures and cherry, Stephen Hawking's in my library. My MySpace page is all totally pimped out. Got people begging for my top eight spaces. Yo, I know Pi a thousand places. Ain't got no grills, but I still wear braces. I order all of my sandwiches with mayonnaise. I'm a whiz and minesweeper, I can play for days. Once you see my sweet moves, you're gonna stay amazed. My fingers moving so fast, I'll set the place ablaze. There's no killer rap, I haven't run. At Pascal, well, I'm number one. Do vector calculus just for fun. I ain't got a gap, but I got a soldering gun. Happy days is my favorite theme song. I can sure kick your butt in a game of ping pong. I'll ace any trivia quiz you bring on. I'm fluent in JavaScript as well as Klingon. Alright, so for this movie and music news, uh, I got some big music news, but for movie news, you know, just a couple days ago I released the first of the Guilty Pleasure series, Adventures of Ford Fairlane, so not a whole lot of news has come out since then. The biggest, most interesting one is Home Alone. They are actually going to be doing another Home Alone film, it's uh, the producer Buffy, but here's the thing, it's uh, Home Alone 5, and uh, it's still the previous, you know, kid versus crook type of film, but they're going to make it different. ABC Family is going to go out of their way and get some talented folks up on this flick. And uh, I'm interested to see where they go with this. I think I watched Home Alone 3, like part of it, and I shut it off. So uh, Home Alone 5, I'll be interested to see based on cast and stuff what they get. And we'll see where that goes. And uh, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's kind of like American Pie. You know, they just kind of want to keep taking as much money as they can from a franchise. And that's how I kind of feel with Home Alone series. But, you know, I'll check out Hall uh, not Halloween, uh, Home Alone 5 if it's got a pretty good cast. So uh, other than that, uh, I'm really excited to hear if you guys have seen Safe House, Journey 2, or Star Wars Episode 1 in 3D. I really want to get some thoughts and hear people's opinions on it. Because I unfortunately haven't checked out any of those yet. But I definitely want to you know, hear from you guys, and especially Star Wars. Because I'm really interested to see how they change things for 3D. So that will be pretty interesting. So let's get to music news. So the biggest thing for music is uh, last night I saw the news that uh, Whitney Houston has died at the age of 48. And, uh, you know, it's such a shame. You know, Whitney Houston was gigantic. I mean, she is definitely one of the most influential musicians that I can think of. And unfortunately, you know, just like a lot of other musicians, she had a rough patch in her life dealing with drugs and alcohol. But I heard that she was on a really, uh, a really good comeback. And unfortunately, uh, it didn't happen. And uh, I guess the reports as of today, they found her in her bathtub and may have had some Xanax beforehand. So I don't know if she drowned or not. So just keep, you know, her family in, in your thoughts, prayers, whatever it is you do. And it just sucks that we lost Whitney Houston. And, you know, 48 really isn't that old. And I'm sure she really would have had a comeback. And in fact, I think for the X Factor with the... Uh, 
Simon, uh, you know, because Simon's still there, but Paula Abdul had left and another person left. I think she was actually supposed to fill the void of the people that left. So it's just a shame, and I know, of course, they're going to come out with uh, unreleased material of Wendy Houston, and it's going to soar and skyrocket the charts, but it's just a shame and what happened, and, and it sucks. So as part of the music spotlight, uh, I do have one song in particular that I'm going to play of Wendy Houston, which is my favorite, but it's definitely a, a much rocking tune. Uh, in my opinion, but uh, it's not the main music spotlight. It's going to be after the main spotlight song that I have. So that's all I got for music news, just because it's the most important of the music news, and uh, it's just a very sad day uh, in regards to in regards to the music world. Uh, so yeah, and uh, let's go ahead and get into some TV news. You too much TV. That's what my mother tells me. Alright, so for TV news, too bad Andrew's not here to talk about this one, but Smallville is actually getting into season 11. And no, it's not going to be the full-blown TV show again. It's more of a, an animated version of uh, Smallville. Um, when he comes back on, I'll have him talk more about it. But uh, Walking Dead also is returning tonight, so all of you Walking Dead fans that are super pumped, uh, make sure you check that on out, which I still have not seen season two, and uh, I finished season one, but I still need to pick up season two, and then I also heard that there's some online stuff as well for that, so that's pretty cool, um, I may have mentioned in the last episode, CSI Miami, CSI New York, maybe on the chopping block, we don't know yet, and uh, I don't watch New York, my wife does, but I watch Miami, even as cheesy as it is, I still enjoy the show. And uh, if it does get canceled, it will kind of suck. Um, there's some good new shows that have come out. We got The River that's come out. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. If you've seen that show, what you think of it? Should I invest my time in it? I've just recently picked up Fear Factor again. Man, that show is crazy. This one girl had bees all over. It's flipping ridiculous. I could never do that. Uh, but Fun Factor is definitely... Definitely a fun show to watch, kind of like Jerry Springer. You know, it's a train wreck. You can't keep your eyes off of it. Uh, other TV news that I have. If you've ever seen the movie Legion, uh, which had Dennis Quaid in the film and uh, had Lucas Black from Tokyo Drift, it was a pretty interesting supernatural uh, film. And they're actually thinking about doing a TV series on it. So I'm pretty interested to see where that's going to go. Because that was a pretty crazy movie. And, uh, and I did actually enjoy it. I thought it was pretty good. But it'd be pretty interesting to see where they would take that. And, uh, you know, Big Bang Theory, it's kind of funny. You know, I knew everybody loved it. But just recently, I kind of started watching some episodes. They rerun on TNT. And I have to admit, it's a pretty fun show. You know, I, I love uh, Kaylee. Uh, I knew her from when she was on the John Ritter show. And then she was on the final season of Charmed, which was good. And then when she went to... Uh, Big Bang Theory, I thought she was funny. Sheldon, he seems to be the guy that you just, uh, is annoying as he is, he's still loving, uh, lovable, kind of funny guy, and uh, I, it's kind of a good show, I, I really dig it, it's kind of funny, so, and I know other people around me have said they take it or leave, and there's other ones that are just die-hard, hardcore fans, so that's kind of the newer show that I've gotten into. Um, I haven't seen the newest edition of uh, Supernatural yet, so somebody shoot me or I haven't watched Being Human this week. 
but I'm pretty excited. I'm going to catch up on it probably tonight or tomorrow and stuff. So that's what I got, guys, for uh, TV news. So let's go ahead and get into the first movie, which is Beverly Hills Cop 3. Welcome to the Beverly Hills Police Department. To continue this message in English, press one pound. If you have homeless people on your lawn, press two star. So what brings you to California, Axel? Vacation? I'm looking for a killer. One, please. We got some evidence that points to one the world. Thank you. Thank you. You mean Rufus Rabbit has gone berserk? You got yourself in the middle of a federal investigation. That guy killed a police officer. He killed a friend of mine. You just keep him out of my face and out of my park. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a tremendous surprise for Mr. DeWall to have me standing right next to him right now. You know, right now I can feel his body tingling. Bring that man down. Code right on the spider. Now hold on tight. <laughs> Axel. Hey, hey. Officers, I want this man arrested. I'm sure you can explain everything, or maybe you can't explain anything. You're going back to Detroit. You've got to turn yourself in, man. Why is it so hard for you to see there's something going on at that park? Kill him. by your new look. You look Thank at your you skin and your hair. And then finally you have black hash poopies, which are totally retro, which are not. You, you put a really good package together. All right. So you guys probably noticed uh, with Beverly Hills Cop 1, after the trailer, I played The Heat Is On. And then on Beverly Hills Cop 2, I played uh, Takedown. Well, if you notice, with this movie, there's no musical number that I played after the trailer. And that's because this movie... Is very inconsistent and uh, I don't know man I'm not too excited to talk about this film let's put it this way I've seen this movie three times in my life the very first time I watched it I watched it a second time on cable a couple years ago and I watched it the third time for this review and I watched this a couple weeks ago because normally when I review a film I watch it and then I go and do a podcast on it either that day or the following day well let's just put it this way I haven't I didn't even want to rewatch this film to give myself a refresh of what happened in the film just because it was so inconsistent and uh, I did not have much fun with this film whatsoever. Now, it's not to say that the film is a complete train wreck and completely sucks. There's no way that that happens. But it's just when you are taken on such a high ride with part two and then they get this movie it just feels like a slap in the face in the franchise it's like you know lethal weapon lethal weapon one was was really good then we get lethal weapon two which was very very good then we get lethal weapon three which was just as good as part two maybe just a tad weak and then we get four which was a solid way to end the series and it was excellent it was at some parts almost as better is almost as good as part two and part two is my favorite series but for part three I don't know. This let's get into all the details here. So this movie came out 1994 and has uh, Eddie Murphy in it, and it's directed by John Landis, who previously looked uh, worked with 
Murphy back on trading places and coming to America, which coming to America is flipping amazing. So with the film coming out in May 20, uh, came out May 25th, and the film grossed 44 million bucks and only 75 million in the foreign box office, and the film is uh, considered by critics and even Eddie Murphy himself as the most disappointing film in the series. So it only made 119 million on a 50 million budget, which back then. I don't know. I guess you consider it a success, but not nearly as much of the numbers as the first two did. All right, so real quick, let's get into the basic plot of the film. So one night in Detroit, during a shootout that happens at a chop shop, Axel Foley sees his boss, Inspector Todd, unfortunately die. He gets killed by this well-dressed man. And using his last breath, Inspector Todd tells Axel that he's got to get the man who shot him. And Axel promises that he's going to do that. So Axel finds that the killer had this uh, Wonder World vehicle, which is a theme park in Beverly Hills, California, of course. And Axel gets reunited with Billy. Unfortunately, we have no Taggart in this film. And tells um, Axel that Taggart basically retired and is living in Arizona. So, Billy is now part of the DDOJSIOC. So, to break it down for you, it's the Deputy Director of Operations for Joint Systems Interdepartmental Operational Command. So, if you can say that really fast, you are a very talented human being. And Judge Reinhold does a really good job of actually saying the abbreviation pretty fast and then trying to say that pretty fast. And uh, Billy also has an employee named uh, John Flint, which is played by Hector Alonzo. So Axel checks out uh, Wonderworld, which is owned by this guy called Dave, Uncle Dave Thornton, which is essentially like Walt Disney. I mean, you could tell that this is so Walt Disney, but they just couldn't use the Walt Disney property or the Walt Disney name. So they created their own fictional Walt Disney film, essentially. So there's this uh, one scene where Axel has to rescue these two kids who are stuck on a ride that got broken down by a pair of uh, security guards who are after Axel. So after Axel rescues these kids, Axel's taken down to see the park head of security, Ellis DeWalt, which is, of course, the guy that shot uh, shot Douglas Todd. So Axel, um, you know, recognizes that he is Todd's killer, and John refuses to believe that because DeWalt and John, John is um, uh, Hector Alonso, they are really good friends. So Axel, John, and Billy don't know that DeWalt runs this counterfeiting ring in Wonderworld. And he uses Wonderworld as basically his front. And there's also this park manager, um, Oren Sanderson, who's played really cool by John Saxton, is in the league with DeWalt. So, you know, kind of his inside man, so to speak. So Axel finds himself falling in love for the first time in the series with uh, Janice Perkins, who's played by uh, Teresa Randall, which if you love the film Bad Boys like I do, uh, she is actually the spouse to Martin Lawrence's character in that film. So she's pretty awesome in this movie. So she obviously works at the park. And Dave later gets shot by DeWalt, and Axel gets accused of shooting Dave. Uh, you know, he kind of gets framed, and as it turns out, there's this corrupt Secret Service agent, Steve Fulbright, is actually in a league with DeWalt. So you think he's a good guy the whole film, and then you find out he's actually 
you know, a bad guy. So while the help of Bill, well, I should say, Billy and uh, John try to help Axel set to prove his innocence and what they do is they raid the park at the end of the film. So there's a shootout that actually kills the Walt and his men which results in Axel getting shot in the shoulder as well and and in the leg and Billy does get shot in the shoulder so I think this is the first time we see Billy get wounded in the series and then Axel fatally shoots Fulbright uh, the FBI agent in self-defense and then uh, Dave uh, recovers, which is really cool because you think he's dead. And then he thanks Axel uh, in front of all of Wonder World to kind of clear his name. And then they create a new character in Wonder World in Axel Foley's name, uh, in his honor, and they call it Axel Fox. And that's essentially the plot of the film. All right, so let's talk about some of the uh, scenes of the film. So. The biggest word that I'm going to say is inconsistent. That's exactly what this film is. It's very inconsistent. Right from the very beginning of the film, I knew that there was something wrong. Because when they first show you the bad guys in the in the chop shop, they're flipping and dancing bad guys. And I mean, it's a real cheesy dance. And it's something that was not done in the other two movies. And to top it all off, when we get our main bad guy, which... Uh, the main bad guy, Ellis DeWall, played by Timothy Carhart. He does this thing in the film when he sees his item and he takes his two hands up in the air, goes down to his hips and goes, yes, real cheesy, real stupid. And immediately told me that I'm dealing with a bad guy that is not like the last two bad guys. And right off the bat, I know, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into with this flick? So, Inspector Todd, you know, me and Andrew have talked about how much we really enjoy this character. And unfortunately, he dies in this film, which in a way makes perfect sense because you want to kind of raise the stakes for your number, you know, for the third film in your series. So really, the only way to do that is to kill off somebody that the audience really loves. And uh, this Inspector Todd, even though we get a little bit of him here and there... He's definitely a fan favorite, at least in my opinion, he's a fan favorite of the series. Now, uh, there was a funny scene when Axel is trying to chase after the bad guys. He accidentally runs over a bad guy and he kind of has uh, his face is like, ooh, I can't believe I just did that. I thought that was kind of funny. Like I said, there's sometimes uh, inconsistent is definitely it. You know, right from the beginning, I'm not feeling like this is a Beverly Hills Cop film. But when Axel is running over a bad guy and then he has the real funny face, I'm like, okay, you know, now I feel like I'm watching an Axel Foley film. And then, of course, anytime I saw uh, Todd on screen, he was definitely great. I didn't have any issues with his character whatsoever, even though he's only in it for maybe five to six minutes of the film. He definitely was very consistent and his character stayed the same throughout uh, one, two, and three. Now, uh, one scene that really pissed me off was the funeral scene. Man, uh, see, it essentially is like, it took me out. I mean, they had this, this gospel music going, which is totally fine. You know, I love gospel music. It's all great and stuff. But the singer that's doing the the funeral song, it just seems like it's a joke is the way it comes across. It seems not very genuine, I should say. And I really was like, this scene should be very powerful. You should be very sad. Uh, you know, Eddie Murphy does come to tears during this scene. But at some point, there was actually 
a couple of parts where I almost laughed because the singing just wasn't good and I was almost like are you guys trying to make a joke out of this scene so that kind of pissed me off it was very again inconsistent it wasn't I wasn't sure if it was trying to be funny I wasn't sure if it was trying to be sad but it definitely was not a good funeral scene I've seen many great funeral scenes and this definitely was not one of those I did love the scene though with his wife when uh, Axel tries to tell his wife what Todd said and she goes that's not what my Todd would say and then when he actually tells her what he really said she just smiles and says you know that's what my Todd would say um, I really th I, that scene was awesome that felt like a Beverly Hills Cop film scene uh, because the scenes that are serious in Beverly Hills Cop are very serious and uh, really move the story along uh, instead of 100% comedy. And that felt like a Beverly Hills Cop scene. So that was really cool. Um, so the other stuff... Oh, I know what I want to talk about. The song. Okay, so the song that is considered the Axel Foley song, if you look up on iTunes, that's a song that I always play for the intro. You know the dun-dun-dun-dun. Okay, what is up with the song in part three? It sucks. The mix that they have going is horrible I do not like the way that this song sounds I don't know what the deal is I mean yeah you can still make it out but it's like in the Halloween series the more the movies went on the crappier the song got and it's the same thing with this one part one and two perfect but for this one it's like I know let's take this and make it kind of like a techno version of the original I mean the original song is simple Dun, 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 dun. You know, it, you get what I'm saying. I hated it. I hated the mix, and they played it a lot in this film. Every time I heard it, I was annoyed, and it was very inconsistent and took me out of the film every time I heard it. It sucked. So, Hector Alonso, really like this guy. Uh, he's always a good time for me. Now, Hector Alonso, you're probably going to know him from uh, like Pretty Woman would be one. Um, I liked him in this movie called Taking Care of Business with uh, James Belushi. I flippin' love that movie and he is awesome in that. He's also in like Necessary Roughness. Um, he's just uh, all around. He's never, as far as I know of, uh, he's never been a huge like A-plus actor. He's kind of always the supporting person but he's always excellent. Uh, unfortunately, he isn't used too much. I mean, he's supposed to be the Taggart quote-unquote replacement. The cool thing is, is he doesn't try to be like Taggart. He just tries to be himself, and I dig that. I thought that that was really cool. He plays John just basically as uh, he's more, he's definitely lighthearted as Taggart got by the end of part two, but he also knows that Axel is a troublemaker and uh, he always just kind of laughs at the things that Axel does. So I, I definitely dig his character. I thought he was cool. Okay, so the spider. Now essentially the purpose of this scene is to give you an action scene and by the end of it Axel saves the two kids and that's when he gets taken to security and finds out that you know who the killer of Todd really is but part of me felt that uh, this scene didn't really go as well as I think it should have number one the stuntman you could clearly tell there was a stuntman and that it was not uh, Eddie Murphy the other two movies they did a great job of covering up the fact if 
Eddie Murphy, in fact, wasn't doing the action scene. It sure looked like he was. But in this particular scene, I wasn't digging it. I could totally tell it was a stunt guy, and that kind of sucks. And part of me thinks that they just threw this scene together just to give you an action sequence. And I kind of think there was other ways of getting to uh, DeWalt without having to go through this scene. But at the same time, you know, it's Beverly Hills Cop. You got to have some crazy stuff happen. And uh, I would say probably the more I watched this scene, I liked it. But I just kind of thought that seeing this stunt guy just kind of like took me out of the scene. I mean, they sh I noticed it a lot. I think three or four times where I was like, stunt guy, stunt guy, stunt guy. And it just, it kind of sucked. It really took me out of the scene, a scene that I should be enjoying and having fun with. I was just like, oh, anytime I see stunt guys in a scene, it usually hurts a film for me. Uh, they do a better job nowadays. But unfortunately, that did not go well for me. Now, uh, John Saxton, uh, he's awesome as always. I mean, John Saxton, you're probably going to know him from like uh, Enter the Dragon and also from Nightmare on Elm Street. He plays Nancy's father. Really cool to see him, which of course he's a bad guy, but uh, it was good. I mean, his part, he's probably in it for maybe 20 minutes of the film, but any scene he's in, he just kind of plays, just kind of like he did as Nancy's dad. Uh, very believable. He was pretty cool. Uh, I think he should have been the bad guy instead of DeWalt, because DeWalt was kind of annoying in most of the scenes that I watched him in. Now, there is one thing that I absolutely love in this movie is Surge. Uh, I, I loved him from the first one, didn't get enough of him. We didn't get any of him in part two, and we get him in this one. The thing that sucks, though, and they actually talk about this, is Eddie Murphy was having a really hard time making this movie. He just wasn't feeling it. I mean, you could totally tell that he wasn't feeling this film. And there was a lot of scenes where um, Surge, um, the actor that plays in um, Bronson, uh, he unfortunately did not do the scene with Eddie Murphy. They had to have, uh, they were having like, I believe he was talking to the director. So that's why you don't really see Axel and Serge face to face in the same scene. Uh, they did do a scene they did do some together but for the most part you'll notice that Serge is always talking to Axel when Axel isn't on screen outside of the first time that they encounter each other but I love Serge I thought he was hilarious uh, I love his new gadgets and the gun and I love the light how it plays in later he was kind of like Q to James Bond so Surge was awesome. He was super fun times. I really enjoyed him. If the whole movie was Surge, it would have made this movie so much better. Uh, Surge, Surge was just was just so good. Now there are some really great parts in the film. Like I said, we got Surge. I really like the scene where. Um, Axel goes in front of everybody and this is when Ellis is getting his award and does this really cool speech and Billy's hiding behind uh, bushes because he doesn't want to be embarrassed and then they kind of mumble to each other and, uh, and then Axel punches him in the face. Billy, unfortunately, um, I mean, he was good. I mean, Judge Reinhold definitely played Billy. I mean, he could do Billy in his sleep. He was good. He was fun. Um, I didn't really have any problems with Billy. It definitely sucked not having Taggart. I really feel if Taggart would have been in this film, it would have been less inconsistent and felt more like a Beverly Hills Cop film. To me, only about 40 to 45% of this film feels like a Beverly Hills Cop film. The other feels like just a mediocre cop film 
that I don't really care about what's going on, which really sucks because you guys know how much I love the first two films. I mean, I think I, I, I know I gave part two five stars just because I loved it so much. And part two or part three is just dragging me down. And I feel like it's a chore to get through this film because it's just not fun. It's just like, ugh. There's a one good scene, and then I gotta wait ten to fifteen minutes for another good scene to happen. It just sucks, and it, it and you're probably like, okay, what are some of the scenes that you don't like? Well, I've already told you about, uh, you know, the beginning with the dancing uh, bad guys, and I don't like the main bad guy. He's very cheesy. He's not believable. He's not scary whatsoever. Uh, I do like the uh, the paper, you know, with the the counterfeit thing when Axel finds out that there's counterfeit money I really dig that uh, I actually forgot that the FBI agent was a bad guy so I did like that surprise I thought that was cool uh, I like it when Axel dresses up as okie dokie I thought that was hilarious that was good times but the, you know the spider scene with the uh, stuntman it just kind of felt like uh, they're just throwing this action scene in here just for kicks um, I really did like uh, when Axel uses um, the rides against them, where he uses the earthquake against the guys. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but again, you know, John um, Hector, unfortunately, he doesn't fill the void of Taggart, which was kind of disappointing. And Billy was not in the film very much I mean for the most part Billy is just he has an occasional one or two good lines but for the most part he's just kind of sitting behind a desk now there is one scene that's really funny is when uh, Axel is telling the FBI agent I give you my word as a gentleman I'll be on that uh, I'll be on that plane and of course he's not that was definitely an Axel moment where I was like okay now I feel like I'm watching a Beverly Hills cop scene I thought that was cool uh, I like the okie dokie stuff that was really funny with that one kid, and then he's telling the kid off. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, that was kind of funny. And I did mention I liked the paper switch scene. I thought that was that was really good when Axel knows that they're counterfeiting and everybody comes in and they switch the paper. That was pretty good. That definitely felt like you know I'm watching a Beverly Hills Cop film. That was good. Um, and then when Axel finds out that the paper is actually the paper that's used for real money that has the strip, that was pretty cool. Um, but again, when they shoot Dave and, you know, he's just talking about his motives and stuff, he just comes across real cheesy, not believable, not scary. And I was like, ugh. This can, now it's taking me out of the film. I'm just like, whenever the bad guy, you know, DeWalt talks, it's just like, dude, shut up. Have somebody else talk for you. Although I will say this, when he's pretending to be a good guy, that's when I found him enjoyable. It's whenever he's being bad that I'm like, okay, you suck. But when he's pretending to be, you know, the good guy and, uh, you know, he's like, I don't know what he's talking about. You know, I don't know what's on that video. And like, he'll do a smile at Axel like, haha, I got you fooled. Or, you know, he's getting his award. That was good. I wish he would have done that with his bad side like I said inconsistent he does a good job when he's being bad but then 
when he's being good, but then when he's being bad, it's like, okay, now you're being cheesy. What happened to that coolness you had when you're, uh, you know, a bad guy pretending to be good? Inconsistent, unfortunately, is what runs through this whole film and really brings it down. And uh, towards the end of the film, there is this funny scene where uh, the they're like they always play this song wonder world it goes wonder world wonder world and it's just an over and over and they're like turn that effing song off i thought that was pretty funny uh and i like when uh there you go billy there's a new sheriff in town i thought that was a funny line but uh overall uh unfortunately i would love to say that uh, that i love this film and that uh it was an excellent trilogy but due to the fact of the inconsistencies with this film, unfortunately, make this just a mediocre film, which is a shame. You know, I love Eddie Murphy. I love the first two. I love Billy. I love Taggart. You know, I get the fact of, okay, if you're going to do part three and you don't have Taggart, you got to make it just as awesome as the last two with the Billy and Axel dynamic because those two are like, you know, stuck on glue. But in fact, in this film, they're kind of Axel's doing a lot of stuff by himself. You don't see Billy too much. And when they do get together, he's not helping Axel really. He's, he's more like, oh, I got to take care of this. I got to take care of that. I got to hide behind a bush. So that was a disappointment. The music was changed, so that sucked. Um, I, I like the fact that it takes place in an amusement, amusement park and they use the rides against, uh, Axel uses the rides against the bad guy. I thought that was cool. I like the counterfeit money that's going i really like that story i thought that was really cool um that was fun uh, i like the fact that todd died it did raise the stakes and todd scene was great it was awesome uh but the funeral scene completely sucks and um it's just inconsistent i just wish it would have just been consistent all the way through surge was was excellent no problems there uh, but even you could tell Eddie Murphy just was not having a good time making this film you know I think he if he did any improv I don't know it just doesn't feel like he did it just felt like he read a script the whole time and he just didn't feel it and because he's not feeling it I'm not feeling it now for all you guys out there that love this film that's great I'm happy for you I'm glad you were able to find some things that you really enjoyed and you had a blast with but I think the problem is for me is the fact that I hold part two on such a high level that when I get to number three it just drops dramatically like a hundred to two hundred feet and it's just a disappointment is what it is so I'm gonna give this movie a two and a half um, unfortunately I wish I could make it higher but on my side of things, I give it a two and a half. When Andrew comes back on, we'll get his uh, real quick response and review of what he thinks. But, you know, for me, I just wanted to get the short circuit. I almost wanted to skip this film or just put it on the YouTube channel. But, you know, the movie definitely deserves to have its own review because of the great scenes that are in this film. But unfortunately, the great scenes that are in this film do not outweigh all the bad scenes that happen with the inconsistencies of the film. So so that's my review, guys, for Beverly Hills Cop 3. So before we go ahead and jump into the movie I can't wait to talk about, which is Short Circuit, why don't we take a quick break?
ultimate soldier. It doesn't get happy, it doesn't get sad, it doesn't laugh at your jokes. It is quite simply Jim. the most sophisticated robot on Earth. Tonic. At Nova Robotics, the future is in good hands. You're real good. Just keep working on those last two bars. Thanks to Dr. Newton Crosby. Originally, I designed it as a marital aid. But artificial intelligence has gotten too smart. No. It's malfunctioning. It might not do anything. But it could decide to blow away anything that moves, couldn't it? Because $11 million worth of robot just hit the road. Whoa! Number five is alive. Welcome to my planet. You just have to find number five, get some answers. Why don't you come on in my house? And it's got a lot of living to do. Whatever it takes to put that stupid contraption out of commission, that's what you do. Input. I haven't had enough of this stuff. My input. My input. And they can seem quite lifelike, but they are still machines. Oh. Number five is alive. Nice software. How it happens, who knows, but it has happened. A new comedy adventure from John Batham, the director of War Games. We're going to be after you. we got to get out of here now. Keep alive! No! Ali Sheedy. Steve Gutenberg and number five. Beautiful. Short circuit. I am alive. Hey, laser lips. Your mama was a snowblower. Ah! 
Quarter inch double break. Perfecto! Escape robot fights for his life. Film at 11. So let's talk some short circuit. I am very excited to do this. And, you know, this has been a, a long promised series. John the Mailman requested this a couple months ago. And uh, things have happened where we just weren't able to get to it. And now, finally, I can get to the Johnny Five series. Now, technically, he's not called Johnny Five in this film. He's called number five. But uh, he is called that in part two. So we're just going to call him Johnny Five because that's the name that we all know this robot from in love. So here's a couple things why I love this movie so much. So I love things that come to life. You know, I love Knight Rider. It's like to me, Kit is in a live car. And, uh, you know, I just came out at a time when I love robots and the fact that a robot could come to life was just so awesome. You know, I, I just watched Darrow, uh, which is kind of like a kid's movie about a robot kid that comes to life. And then there's the Wes Craven film of Deadly Friend with Christy Swanson. It's like she kind of comes to life as a robot. So it's real. I just love robot movies and especially stuff that comes to life. And uh, this movie is definitely awesome. And of course, it's got Steve Gutenberg in the film. It's got Ali Sheedy. Uh, most of all, it's got Fisher Stevens. You guys know I did a tribute to Fisher Stevens on the My Science Project episode because I just love his character, Vinny. And he is flipping awesome in this film. Now, this film came out in 1986, so it's a comedy sci-fi film. And... Uh, the robots are, his essential name is Saint Number 5. And Saint stands for a Strategic Artificially Intelligent Nuclear Transport. And he's the number 5 edition of those robots. But uh, essentially, Number 5 is this prototype robot proposed for Cold War use by the U.S. military. So although the scientist that's mainly responsible for creating them, Newton uh, Crosby, which is played by Steve Gutenberg, and his partner Ben uh, Jabatua Fisher-Stevens, uh, are more interested in peaceful uh, use for the robots, which is their artificial intelligence, like playing musical instruments, that kind of thing. You know, they definitely don't want it used for no war use. So what essentially happens is is there's this demonstration that takes place on the grounds of the developer's company, which is called Nova, and it takes place in Damon, Washington. 
lightning strikes to Johnny Five, which is essentially how he comes to life, which you know everybody thinks it's uh, just a malfunction. And uh, there's this associate accident that causes Johnny Five to be taken off the company ground and he wanders away. He's unable to communicate and not knowing where he is. So Johnny Five actually hitches a ride on this uh, animal lover, uh, Stephanie Speck, which is played by Ali Sheedy. He actually gets all the way to or- um, Astoria, Oregon for this. And um, she actually thinks that he's this ex- um, extraterrestrial visitor. But then through some funny, funny scenes, she finds out that he's actually a robot built by Nova. So um, she helps to satisfy Johnny Five with input due to his malfunction. And she explains the nature of life and death. And uh, Stephanie and the robot realize that the power surge of what happened to him brought him to life. So the robot gains respect of life, rejects the destruction nature of its military programming, uh, as well as fear of the dissembling that awaits for him back in Nova, which to him is essentially death. So after several narrow escapes from troops of soldiers led by Nova, which uh, there's this head security guard, uh, I shouldn't say guard, he's the security head captain. His name is uh, Scroder, played by uh, J.W. Bailey, which you're going to know him from the Police Academy films. Or if you've ever seen Mannequin, he's also the security guard in patrol of the mall. So uh, his attempt to destroy uh, the robot, um, because he basically disobeys orders from Howard, uh, which is played by Austin uh, Pendleton, which is done awesome by that guy. He's the director of Nova, but uh, Scroder just wants to blow up Johnny Five. And um, there's also Stephanie's ex-boyfriend, Frank, who wants a piece of the action, so to speak. Um, He wants to cash in Johnny Five, get a reward, and uh, make some money. So here's where things start to get really interesting. So Stephanie and Johnny Five finally convince Newton that Johnny is alive, which I'll get into some of those details in a little bit. But we get this real crazy ending, which to me is, in my opinion, one of the greatest ha-ha fooled you endings in the history of film. It's flipping awesome. It's cheesy, but it's, it works. Um, they are cornered uh, by Nova and the 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 soldiers destroy Johnny Five, and what Johnny Five did is he used uh, spare parts, created his own robot for the destruction, sent them off to be blown up so that way he could then be safe and go live with uh, with Ali Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg. And uh, and they go to Montana, which is pretty awesome. And then the movie ends. So let's talk about some all the good stuff in this film. And I tell you, I got five pages of notes because there's so much good stuff in this film here. Well, maybe not five pages, more like two. But you get what I'm saying. I really dig this film. So let's start with the beginning. The credits, um, they're real retro. It feels like an Atari, you know, old school Atari, Nintendo. At the time, I'm sure when this movie came out, they thought their credits were really cool. Nowadays, I look at the credits and I think, hey, retro looks cool. Um, Howard. Howard is a really cool guy. You know, he's Steve Gutenberg's boss. He has this really cool saying throughout the film, which is stat. And uh, at the end of the film, he's like, stat? 
stabbed. He goes, what does that mean anyways? And then uh, Howard's like, I don't know, which just cracks me up. It's flipping awesome. So let's talk about the score. The score is really, really good. Uh, it sounds like a Nintendo game. It's got like a, a Nintendo techno kind of sound to it. Uh, the soundtrack is killer, obviously. You guys know DeVarge and Who's Johnny. You know, I've I've already played you part. You know, I've already played that song for you with the clips of the movie in there. I mean, that song is killer. There's essentially two theme songs to this movie. There's Who's Johnny and then there's this other song called Come and Follow Me by Max Carley and Marcy Levy which they play at the finale of the film. So it's flipping sweet. So Ben, flipping love Ben. Ben is played by Fisher Stevens. He jacks up all the one-liners. I mean, you guys can tell from the clips I I played. Uh, he in, not necessarily intentionally, but uh it's I mean, of course, that's how they wrote his character is to screw up all of the uh, one-liners that he does. But, man, it is some good times. I love this guy. And thank God in Part 2. I love Part 2 more than I love Part 1. And probably the biggest reason is because of the fact of I get Fisher Stevens for a whole entire film. And he's the main guy of the film. So ever since my science project, I've always loved this guy. And lately, for throughout the years, I've seen him as, um, you know, as pretty much... A bad guy, which kind of sucks. He's been in like Law and Order, Criminal Intent, and that kind of stuff. But he's awesome. I love it when he jacks up the one-liners. It's some good times. So uh, the one scene I love is when uh, Ben is trying to get uh, Newton to come down to talk to everybody, and Newton uses the robot to give him the middle finger, uh, which John the mailman mentioned in his email that uh, he thought that the language was kind of crazy for this film because it is PG. And uh, when he mentioned that, I really looked for it because I kind of everything just kind of went with the flow with me on this film. But um, that's that's definitely means F you. And in a PG film, you probably wouldn't see that. So uh, it's kind of funny that they got a PG rating instead of a PG-13 because usually you're allowed to say the F word once um, and then twice gives you an R rating. But... Granted, they didn't say the F word. They just did the middle finger. But, you know, you kind of get what I'm saying. For a PG film, you normally wouldn't see somebody flipping somebody off. But maybe because it's a robot, they can get away with it. One of the lines that I love is when Ben says, uh, when he's talking about Scroder, and he calls him Scrotum. And uh, and then Newton corrects him and says, no, it's Scroder. He goes, no. And then Ben says, yeah, it means the same thing. I thought that was funny. So when Johnny gets electrocuted is really cool. Uh, one thing that I really like how they try to tell you Johnny is alive throughout this film is you hear the voices of the other four robots, which they sound very, as you would expect, robotic. Uh, but they're, I mean, they're like the real crazy robotic sound and the the moment Johnny gets electrocuted uh, his voice is really crazy his body movement is like that of I mean of course he's being electrocuted so of course his body is going to move crazy but I really dig how they did his voice and that's immediately when his voice I, mean, I don't know if he actually talked before then I didn't recall but it really sets you up that hey he is definitely different uh, and that started from the electrocution right from that second when his voice changed so thought that was pretty cool one thing that Johnny does which is absolutely hilarious is uh, when he first started he crashed into a wall when he was f- trying to follow the other robots and he kept going back into the wall backed up 
go into the wall, back up. And then it would go, eh, like that. It's a real funny sound that Johnny does throughout the film. Anytime he's pissed off and frustrated, he does that sound, and it's hilarious. So another great Ben line is uh, when they're like, don't tell me the laser is still armed. And Ben goes, bimbo. Uh, instead of bingo, it's bimbo. Hilarious. I love it. Or another line about uh, what would the papers say? And he goes, uh, nun soup. You know, he's always got some really good, either he's making one-liners backwards or the lines he comes up with are so classic and so funny. It's just, it's really good stuff. I love Ben. He is probably, if not my favorite outside of Johnny Five. Well, yeah, he, he is. Outside of Johnny Five, he's my favorite character. Uh, I love Ali Sheedy and I, I love uh, Steve Gutenberg in this film. But for me, Ben, I don't know, man. I just, I love Ben. And it's probably because of the fact of part two. I just see part two whenever I watch part one. And uh, it's it's awesome. So I like it when uh, Johnny first does his uh, his reading to the guys. He says, wouldn't you like to be a pepper too? That's really the first time we get to hear his voice uh, interacting, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then, of course, when Ben says it back, it's even funnier. And then uh, Johnny, again, will say, need input. And then he'll do his uh, his sound when he's talking to animals, which is funny. I like the bridge flying scene, which essentially he lands on Stephanie's truck. Uh, that was pretty cool. It's like, hey, he even has a parachute and you didn't even know it. That was pretty cool. So Stephanie's boyfriend, uh, this guy. And here's the thing with Stephanie's boyfriend. Um, Stephanie's uh, boyfriend uh, is Frank, which his name is Brian McNarma. And uh, here's how I've come to like this guy. I've always hated him because of this film, but I watched him in this little tiny movie. You may have heard of it. It's called Arachnophobia that has Jeff Daniels in it. He's one of the scientists that actually come down and help investigate and he is definitely afraid of spiders he was so likable in that film and ever since I saw that movie I've officially reverted my hatred towards Frank and I'm like okay I love the guy playing Frank so I'll deal with it but Frank is Stephanie's uh, ex-boyfriend and complete jerk now Ali Sheedy I love Ali Sheedy she's great uh, Ali Sheedy definitely doesn't play the uh, the girl next door usually or she doesn't usually play the pretty girl. She just kind of plays the, I don't really want to say your normal, uh, your normal female character, but she just doesn't really stick out too much. Like in Breakfast Club, she definitely is one of the, she, for me, she's one of the weakest people in that film, even though... Uh, she becomes much more enjoyable by the end of the film. I've I've seen her in Man's Best Friend. That was really good. But in this film, uh, I definitely enjoy her character. She's definitely a, a girl next door. Finally, uh, I get to see her. In, I mean, she was in War Games, and she was definitely very cute in War Games. She was definitely the girl next door in that film. But I think she wanted to move more away from the girl next door. In this film, she's uh, she's definitely got her moments where I'm just like, wow, you know, she's she's really cute. And then there's other scenes where I'm just like, eh, you know, she's just she's just playing, you know, somebody that's just frustrated and you know, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to explain. It's just Ali Sheedy is just one of those actresses that 
I think if she wanted to, she could pull off, she pulls off whatever character she wants to do, no doubt about it. But I think if she really wanted to play the cute girl next door, she definitely could have done it more than she ever did, but I think she chose not to do it. And, uh, and I respect her for that. I think that's pretty cool. So when uh, Stephanie and Frank are fighting and she calls him a mutant, a mutation, and he's like, don't you ever call me that? And uh, yeah, you don't even know what it is. He's like, yeah, well, I can find out. That whole line was absolutely hilarious. I was, I was just dying laughing when I heard that one. Um, now, when Newton and Ben want to go out, look for Johnny Five, and uh, Howard's talking about how, oh, you're going to take another robot, you know, so you're going to have $13 million out on the road. Ben says, plus we need some gas money. Just this simple line delivery there really made the scene that much funnier. So the first time that we get the interaction of, uh, of Stephanie and Johnny, and she's just like, I knew they would pick me. And Johnny looks kind of crazy with the lights going all crazy. And, um, and he goes in the house. That whole house scene is hilarious and great. You know, I need input. And, and he's just, uh, oh, it's just so good. Um, that's where you, you hear the song, Who's Johnny, for the first time in that scene. Um, he starts to, you know, destroy the house. And, uh, man, it's it's just really good. And you see how fast he can read a book. It's absolutely, I really, really enjoy that whole scene where he's in the house for the first time. And it's and the stuff that he says is really good. And then when Johnny's introduced to the TV, he starts doing, he sees commercials and the Three Stooges. You can tell he really loves the Three Stooges. I like it when Stephanie turns off the TV and he gets pissed off at her. He does his uh, sound to her, uses his little antenna to, to turn the TV back on. That was really cool. And I, I really enjoy when uh, she finds out that Johnny is actually a robot. And she calls Nova. And she's like, can I talk to the warmonger, please? And the guy that hands the phone to Howard is like, Dr. Warmonger, I mean, sir, that was flipping priceless. And then when Stephanie wants to find out how much the robot is worth if she returns it and Howard plays it off and says it's only like 100 bucks, was good stuff too. Um, and then he gets in the car or in the truck to try to escape. And he reads the manual, the vehicle manual, and supposedly knows how to drive. Now, as far as I know, if there's no owner's manual that tells you how to drive. So I kind of like how Ello... That was kind of off a little bit, but that's okay. I like this scene where uh, Stephanie's mad at him for destroying the van and almost going off a cliff. And he's trying to tell her, yes, not. Number five is alive. That whole scene was really good. Um, so when uh, Howard, not Howard, but when Newton and Ben show up, Newton says to her, oh, you are a girl. And she's like, yeah, as far as I know, um, you are wasting valueless time. Just uh, that whole scene uh, is really good when she's telling the guys that how Johnny Five thinks he's alive and not to take him apart and uh, just his responses and the whole Nova scene when Johnny's like, is it cool? No disassemble. And then Newton and Ben freak out and he's like, I am beside myself. You know, good stuff. Um, and then when Nova shows up, they start shooting and Ben keeps throwing her down and he tells, and she's like, would you quit doing that? He goes, do you think I'm doing this for my self gratification? 
Oh man, I'm telling you, F- Fisher Stevens, he kills it in this film, man. He is just so funny. It's good stuff. And then at the end, when uh, Nova has Johnny Five and he goes, I enjoyed throwing you to the ground. Or <laughs> or he goes, you crazy lady, I enjoyed throwing you to the ground. It was good stuff. So they're in the truck, Ben and this other guy. And Johnny wakes up and he, he changes his arm because his arm got shot up. And you can hear Ben talking to the driver. And he says, did you get a piece of ash? Get to the point of the story, which was hilarious. Again, family film, PG, so they probably toned that really down to where you could never hear it. And the only reason I heard it is I've seen the movie a, a lot, and I just kind of noticed it now. It definitely wasn't the first viewing where I noticed that. And I like when uh, Johnny will tell them to shh like that because uh, he's officially fixed and he uh, he gets the vehicle and uh, the, in the truck. He realizes there's a tracker on him. I like how he throws it on the old vehicle's van. And then he starts playing Who's Johnny? So you're like, okay, this is the second time you've heard this song. Now you kind of know it's the theme song. And essentially that's where he's going to get his idea to change his name to Johnny Five at the end of the film. Now, I thought the old couple, the one that has the tracker and then Nova shows up, I love what the old lady says to the guy. She's like, did you get the grass out of the glove compartment? Because I thought that they were kind of hippie looking. But when I heard that line, I was like, ah, okay, everything makes sense now. Okay, so this is probably the only scene for me that doesn't work in the film. But maybe, and this is really because of the fact that I've never seen it. The thing that I hate in films is when somebody is watching another movie and for example i'll give you the best example that i know of and that's scream there's a scene in scream and keep in mind i've seen halloween literally like i don't know uh 75 to 80 times halloween is like my third or fourth favorite film of all time so there's a scene in scream where they're watching halloween and it's the scene where michael myers they're in it's when bob goes to the kitchen to get linda a beer michael myers busts out grabs Bob and then stabs him and he stabbed into the wall and then one of the guys is like oh there's no blood and then that's when he's going to go into the rules of horror films well as he's about ready to go into the rules of the horror films which the guy that I'm talking about here would be Jamie Kennedy Randy he's you know the movie film guy so he pauses the movie, which is the scene where Michael Myers is holding the knife before he stabs Bob. He's already done that in the scene before that. So I hate scenes like that. I hate people that watch movies and films because of the fact that timing is always off the next scene later. So same thing in this film. Johnny's watching Saturday Night Fever, and it's where you know uh, John Travolta is dancing on like the disco now keep in mind i've never seen this film but the second that uh, ali sheedy walks in the scene then changes to uh more than a woman and it's where john travolta looks like he's giving a dance lesson to another lady as far as i can tell even though i've never seen the film those two scenes don't fit together because he's wearing completely different clothes and I hate the fact that movies do that always annoys and pisses me off so this is the scene that just bugs the hell out of me even though I like the scene because he's dancing with her it's just the fact of what's on the TV I know they needed it for the music I get that it's just you should have did something else you should have had like a, a I don't know 
I just wish they would have did that better. That's really the, the biggest pet peeve I have is that particular scene of the film. And really, that's the scene when Johnny is dancing with her and she's got her head back on where I'm like, Ali, she- or Ali Sheedy is really cute and adorable in that scene, which is really cool. Because, you know, I'm used to seeing her in a breakfast club where she's not playing the cute and adorable girl. And she definitely, in that scene, um, she pulls it off. Very great. So, um, my favorite flipping scene of the film is hands down when Johnny Five takes apart Frank's car absolutely hilarious i love it when uh she's telling frank uh to talk computer not apache and then at at first this scene kind of throws you off because stephanie is telling frank it's almost like she's letting frank think that he can take him because she's like okay just talk to him like a robot and then she's like okay tell him where home is but it's really so he'll tell johnny five that he's going to Nova so he knows to escape. And then you're like, oh, good job, Stephanie. You played that scene off well. And then he gets he gets down, flipping, takes apart his car in like less than like, I don't know. By the time it took him to get up off the floor, run outside the house, and then realize when he looks outside that his car is no longer there. And by the time he turns around, the car is apart. If we're talking movie time, I'm thinking this happened in about a minute and a half. So Johnny Five is super fast with his hands. Now, this is probably the least believable scene of the film, but it's the funniest scene of the film, and I flip and love it, and I give the movie this scene because it works. I can't give the movie the Saturday Night Live or Saturday Night Fever scene, but I give the movie this scene because I'm going with it, and it's absolutely hilarious, and I love it. And then uh, when Frank gets pissed off and uh, he's attacking Stephanie and Johnny Five's like, no disassemble Stephanie. And he gets mad and he does his laser. Oh, so good. Uh, And then he's like, you know, I'm calling Nova and I'm calling the cops. And it's for you. Don't ever think we're getting back together again. Really good stuff. And that's the last time you see Frank, which was a good thing. Now, probably my second favorite scene would be the Three Stooges scene, which is where... um, Stephanie wants to talk to Newton and uh, the only way to do that is to get to an isolated location not knowing that Scroder has been assigned to basically find uh, find Newton and Johnny Five. So she's trying to convince him that Johnny Five is alive and uh, he starts, in, in the meantime Johnny's taken on all the other robots. The uh, He takes on three robots and uh, really good stuff and my favorite line in the whole entire film is Hey Laser Lips, your mother was a snowblower. Absolutely hysterical. I love it. Uh, I still use that line to this day when I'm mad at somebody. It's good stuff. And then he, he reprograms them uh, into the Three Stooges and it's a really good action sequence and uh, and that's the point when Newton's going to start to believe that Johnny could really be alive so it was great scene that's my second favorite scene of the film is reprogramming the robots and rescuing Stephanie and getting away good stuff now I love it when Johnny Five and Newton are in the desert and he's trying to figure out how does John how does Johnny think he's alive? And he says, you know, I'm fit as a fiddle and he starts to talk about how he can't kill. And he goes, I know it's wrong to kill, but who told you? And Johnny's like, I told me and then he shakes his head up and down like, Yeah You know, and then that's when he's like, Wow But the best part though is when he tells the joke. And he, 
my favorite thing is the fact of the line that he says when Johnny starts to laugh and he goes and she and then uh, Stephanie asks is he laughing and he goes yeah yeah and the worst thing is I think the joke wasn't even that funny and I even screwed up the punchline that was brilliant I just love that line I thought it was great so we get to the climax of the film and we see Nova showed up and at this point uh, Newton officially believes that Johnny's alive and uh, they're worried what's going to happen to Johnny. So they decide to go out of the vehicle. Now here's one thing I noticed this time around that I really didn't notice before. The van is shaking very, very much. It's going back and forth and the reason behind it is is that Johnny in the meantime is building a duplicate robot to take his place. Now, a lot of argument has come into play that well, they threw they threw a wool over your face, you know, like they threw a sheet on your face or whatever terminology they want to use where basically Johnny opens the door and he jumps out and says bonsai and the other robot would not know to say bonsai bonsai because he's not alive and he's not Mr. Miyagi. That's a bad joke. Here's the deal. Just because the door opened and you heard Banzai, that easily came from Johnny. He just would have yelled it out loud so it's so his voice would have carried with the robot when the robot jumped out of the van. So I have no problem whatsoever with hearing the word Banzai as the van door opens and the robot jumps out. I thought it was good. I never had a problem with that scene. So that's one thing to think about if you have a problem with this scene is that the robot would never say Banzai. It's because Johnny's the one that actually said it before he went under the van. And the great thing with this ending is it's one of my favorite trick endings ever. I mean, let's just say you're listening to this review and you've never seen the film. I'm sorry I ruined the ending for you, but for real, you should have seen this film by now. The ending is great because let's just say you didn't know there was a sequel. You would think that Johnny Five is dead. I mean, it's a super depressing ending. They blow up the robot. All the military guys are celebrating while you have Newton and Stephanie super sad. And you think, man, this is such a horrible, terrible, sad ending. And then Johnny Five comes out of the bottom. And that's when Newton's like, he's a flipping genius. He rebuilt his own parts. And he goes, nah, I got above average. I thought it was great. I love the ending. One of my all-time favorite trick endings ever. It's good times. And then, of course, the end when he throws the seat out and he goes, yo. And uh, and then they, he's like, you know, number five stupid name. Johnny. Yeah, Johnny Five. And then they play the theme song which is some good stuff. All right, so that's pretty much my review of Short Circuit. So let's get into rating here. Okay, so I've already told you I love part two more than I love part one, but part one on its own is a very great film. I would definitely say the film holds up today because of the fact of the effects look really good. Um, the music is still great. The action is still good. The, the comedy is awesome. I mean, of course it's dated, but it this dated in regards to you know when you start to see the computer technology used to create the robots and stuff like that but i mean you could definitely show this to somebody today who's never seen the film and they could totally enjoy the film so i would definitely give this movie four stars no doubt about it it's a great film i had a lot of fun with it and uh you're probably like well why couldn't you give it a four and a half and five and it's just because i love part two 
uh, so much more than I love part one. That uh, for me, it sticks at four stars. And uh, and part two is just more fun for me because Johnny Five's already established. There's so many great scenes that happen in part two. And uh, now, granted, part two doesn't have Ali Sheedy and Steve Gutenberg, but for me, I have Fisher Stevens, which is my favorite character outside of Johnny Five. So for me, that's a bonus plan. So four stars all the way for this film. So uh, that's what I got, guys, for Short Circuit. So let's hear what the STL Nation had to say. So I'm uh, pretty excited because we have a lot of emails, as I mentioned in the last episode. So because uh, I just did two films, Beverly Hills Cop 3 and Short Circuit, I'm going to cover all those right now. So let's clean out the mailbag. So our first email comes from Anthony, the epic emailer. And he says, hello there again, Masunis and Andrew. Like the additional segment that you discuss on what's going on with TV shows and the networks that uh, they're on, when it comes to television, I was wondering what you guys think about Smallville being on TNT channel, but apparently being aired at a strange time, 2 a.m. for me, and apparently only doing the last three seasons. Um, I would say in my part of the, you know, I'm in Illinois, they're not playing, um, they're not playing Smallville for me on TNT, which is weird. Um, you know, and you would think on a network like that, it would be going everywhere, but Maybe I'm just missing it, but as far as I know of, I've never found Smallville at 2 a.m., let alone on TNT. But I'll, I'll double-check that, sir. Um, and then, of course, Andrew, I'm sure, is super pumped for the fact of he's getting Smallville reruns. Uh, also, what do you happen, uh, do you happen to watch shows from the U.K.? The only ones I checked out were from uh, Doctor Who, both current in a classic series, and the new Sherlock that is currently on their second season. They are entertaining and worth to be checked out uh, at the very least. So I will take your suggestion, sir. Um, my wife watches a BBB, uh, B, <laughs> I can't even say it, a BBC show. And um, I can't even remember the title of it. But she enjoys it a lot. Uh, I did watch Being Human like one or two episodes. And I definitely did not enjoy the UK version as I mentioned on the last episode. But I've heard about Doctor Who. And um, I probably would check out the Sherlock one uh, versus the Doctor Who episodes. So uh, as it comes to giving you possible suggestions for movies, series, as you mentioned in the previous episode, I, sh uh, I sent you loads of them already. So I'll save any further suggestions for later, which this is true, sir. Um, I will have those added to the list. Now on to the movie. You did a terrific job in reviewing the second Beverly Hills Cop movie. While my rating for it won't be changing, no matter if Masuna said he would target my family, but it's a great continuation. Sadly, the same can't be said for the third and final one in the series. Not having a good amount of the characters from the previous two movies hurts things. While Murphy and uh, Reinhold tried their hardest, they couldn't completely get away from the fact that this movie didn't follow from the goodness that the first two were, which I agree 100% with that statement, sir. 
That's not to say that it didn't have its bright points. Once again, Axel Rosewood did a good job in playing who they were and how they have changed over time. John Flint, had, uh, Hector Alonso, did a good job as the new guy. Too bad it was apparent that he was just a replacement for Judge Reinhold's Taggart character. I give the movie a mild 3 out of 5. Uh, was definitely the black sheep of the series, but had good moments. Uh how few they were kept it from getting a lower rating which again I agree with that statement 100% it's still sad that this was the final movie of an entertaining series that's pretty much all for me can't wait to hear what you guys have to say about the rest of the series of Beverly Hills Cop and what might have come if things were different so which yeah we did talk about a Beverly Hills Cop series which essentially was going to be uh, Axel Foley as the boss and his son was going to take over the reins but that that whole idea essentially died out and uh, I'm not complaining about it either. Now he did say wait I can't believe I almost forgot following from what I did in the previous uh, email I sent I'm sending you another comic strip I tried to follow from the previous one and hope that I was able to if you need to stretch it out and make it easier to see, go ahead. Since it looks as though my little drawings, quote-unquote, are getting some positive feedback, at least from you, Masunas and Andrew, I'll consider doing some more. That's not to say that I'll do a comic strip drawing for every episode. Just that on occasion, I might try to send you something you'll hopefully have you guys laughing. Now this is truly my ending this email. See you later. Which... You know, I've told you guys, especially in the last episode, um, I'm actually going to create a folder on the Facebook page of all the artwork that Anthony's done. So you guys can check it out just in case you've missed it in all the wall posts that have come on the Sweep Delay podcast Facebook page. Everyone he makes gets better and better, and uh, and they're so good. So I really look forward uh, for you guys checking that out just in case you didn't do that. So, um, So let's get to another email. And it's from Anthony again. And he says, Hello, Masunas and Andrew. Right off, I know that I'm sending you guys another email so soon after I sent you the previous one. The reason for me sending you this is not because of the upcoming Short Circuit series that will be reviewed. It's because I wanted to send you another comic strip of sorts that's associated with the movie series. And I just couldn't wait until you guys actually reviewed it to send it to you guys. It's different from how my past two gifts we're done, so I hope you turn. Uh, so I hope it turns out all right. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, in case I don't get another chance to say it, have fun on your trip, Andrew. And let's just hope you don't cause some international incident. See uh, Anthony, the epic emailer, and he did a Johnny Five um, artwork, which was pretty awesome. As far as I know, of Andrew did not do any international incidents. He's safe and sound back in the good old U.S. of A. So. Our next email comes from uh, John the Music Man. And he says, Hello, sirs. Beverly Hills Cop 3. Hmm. Well, first off, I completely forgot about this movie. And honestly, I just thought it was okay. So all I can say is not one uh, I would rewatch anytime soon, but had to send in an email to stay in good status with the STL Nation. John the Music Man from Philly. So thank you, sir. Always a good time to hear from you, sir. And uh, our next one comes from uh, John the Mailman, and uh, he's got some interesting points here. He says, hello, Mike and Andrew. It's uh, been a fun 
two movies, but now we get to Beverly Hills Cop 3. Right from the start, I wasn't feeling it, which, man, I hear you, sir. I'm the exact same way. Axel is ahead of the team, not the Axel I know, which, yeah, this is true. In the beginning of the film, he's, like, running this team, but he, like, gets, uh, he's, like, yeah, ahead of this new team, and he's not by himself, and, yeah, that was bogus. He says, not the Axel I know. Then they killed the chief, not cool. But his quote was kind of funny. Uh, he's talking about the quote that uh, that his boss tells Axel about going to get the guys. So um, Then they changed Rosewood from being almost like Axel to a desk chump. Outrage. This is true, sir. I think that, I definitely think that sums it up. That uh, Rosewood is a desk chump. I hear you, sir. Then, no Taggart. He knew it was bad, so he didn't want to come back. Now, they want to bring in a love role? No, thank you. Which, you're right. I never really commented on that too much. It was. It just seems kind of out of place. In the same sense, I'm like, okay, yeah, it's cool. You're introducing a love character. But at the same time, it's like, seriously? You haven't had him have a love character in the past two films. Why do it now? So maybe that's one reason why Eddie Murphy just wasn't feeling it. And uh, he works alone pretty much the whole movie. I did like some quotes and some action and the story was okay. Just wasn't done right. Good to see Surge. Uh, funny parts. But two and a half out of four. Uh, which, hey, way to go, sir. That's my rating too. Uh, big step down. Hope to have, um, I hope you have more to say. Have a great show and break. Consider this email delivered. John the Mailman. P.S. Uh, you get to check out flick chart yeah i did flick chart is pretty cool uh it's essentially and i was screwing it up it's where um you get two sets of movies and you either you either let's say karate kid versus return of the jedi if you've seen both then you pick the one you like the best if you've seen one but not the other you put um pick a different choice and then you'll get to a movie that you see and then you just pick on which one you like the favorite and then it just keeps remembering which one's your favorite and yeah it's a pretty cool time waster it's pretty awesome so all right let's get to another email and this one comes from sebastian sebastian the comedian he says hello smiling spiked gremlin podcast how was your vacation uh yeah it was pretty good i can't complain too much well i did complain because i got sick but overall, it was fun. But I'm definitely having the itch to come out with a new ep. You know, going back to podcasting, I gotta do it every week. It's like a drug for me, man. I I cannot not do a podcast every week. It's just annoying for me not to be able to sit down and record and edit and send out a show. It's so that's how my vacation was. It was kind of frustrating to a certain degree. And he said, uh, whatever happened to the cop who arrested a vampire that bit off some haywire that short-circuited a franchise? All right, so that was Sebastian trying to be funny. And I have to admit, that was pretty good. Uh, but I wouldn't do that too much, sir, because it could get kind of old. Uh, he said, the cop, Beverly Hills Cop 3, finally got the love that we all feared he would get. I didn't mean it and uh, felt it was uh, about time for him to get some loving from somewhere other than his best buds in the police force. I really like how Judge character uh, Rosewood um, through the ranks until he became a super cop of L.A. I give this cop four merit badges, which Sebastian seems to be the only one that actually liked this movie. So I'm happy for you, Sebastian. I'm glad that you like this. Uh, 
Unfortunately, I, I didn't like it as much as you did. He said, The Vampire, Underworld Awakening. A silent entry into the franchise. Uh, which I, I saw this movie and I put a Facebook review on that. He said, The problem that still has been resolved is how the hybrid looks. I feel that the Uber Lycan design should have been used in Part 2 for the brother of the lead leader vampire but worked really well for this sequel. I really dug the cast. The Uber Lycan played a Lycan in a small TV show called Lost Girl. I gave Underworld Awakening a 3 vampire attacks out of 5. Haywire is a fantastic is fantastic because of its cast, its sharp script and a fabulous director. I couldn't keep my eyes off the screen when Carano was on largely because of her butt kicking superpowers. I saw her MMA fighting bouts and thought she uh, brought that to the screen. Next time, I'll see how Short Circuit compares to its sequel. Now, uh, when I got this email, I actually uh, talked to Sebastian about his issues with Underworld, and we kind of got that resolved. But basically, I was saying how, you know, the, every in every movie, the uber, quote-unquote, bad guy looks just great for that particular movie, and there's no way that it would have looked good in part two it looks great for where it does and but you know we got that all figured out and stuff so so thank you sebastian appreciate the email sir so the next email comes from john the mailman and this one's on short circuit and he says hi mike and andrew just got done watching sorts uh short circuit and thought i'd send an early email it has to have been five or six months since i requested these movies uh that all started when uh piranha 3d post came and uh, we went all over the place our first real interaction I think which this is true sir um, that's when I posted the review of Piranha 3D uh, that's when things really started to uh, get going between John the Mailman and me so it's been good times ever since then and he says, I love these movies. As a kid, they're super fun. Fun for me because I not only have a puppet thing, I have a robot thing too. Short Circuit 2 might be my favorite, but part 1 is just also good times. Everyone did a great job. Next to Johnny Five, Ali Sheedy was my next favorite. She was really sweet and adorable. Fisher Stevens was funny as well, messing up all the catchphrases. Steve Gutenberg did a good job as well, got the job done. I love how number five always gave a definition of words and always looked for more input. The number one, number two, and number three fight was fun and getting reprogrammed to act like the Three Stooges was excellent. A lot of good and it being an 80s movie using a robot i give it a four and a half out of five at some points i don't care for the language for a pg film and i just don't feel it being a five-star movie but liked it can't wait to hear the show consider this email delivered john the mailman so yes yeah, sorry i hear you i don't feel it being a five-star film either but at the same time i definitely couldn't give it anything lower than a four you gave it a four and a half so that is pretty flipping cool so the next email comes from um John the Music Man, and this one is on Short Circuit. And uh, he says, Hello, sirs. Well, I do really like Short Circuit. I remember wanting to watch this because the guy in Police Academy was starring in the film. But this is such a, a great quotable movie. My favorite quote, your, your mother was a snowblower. And one of my favorite scenes is when uh, Johnny Five reprograms some of the other robots as the Three Stooges. And of course, who doesn't like the main song in the film? Who's Johnny? Yep. And he says, John the Music Man. So thank you, sir. It was good times hearing your thoughts on Short Circuit. And we have the Short Circuit email from Anthony the Epic Emailer. 
And uh, he said, hey there, once again, Masunas and Andrew. I know um, that I've already sent you more than one email since your previous episode, but since the hiatus happened and you decided to do both Beverly Hills Cop and Short Circuit, which if you guys didn't know from the last episode I did, which chances are you didn't listen to it because it was on Adventures of Fort Failing. I was joking about how I think Anthony's like some sort of spy or something because I looked on the Facebook page and Anthony was nowhere to be found. But the moment I put out notice that we're doing a double feature, I instantly got this email like an hour later. And I was like, how did you possibly know that? I thought it was absolutely hilarious. He goes on to say, that's a movie I enjoy. And while it's been a while since I've seen it, I can still remember moments from it that are fun. One being Steve Gutenberg's character learning that Johnny Five was alive and the interaction that he had as well as the character that Ali Sheedy played. One other thing I liked was the character of Ben Fisher, which I think uh, he was trying to say Ben, the character played by Fisher Stevens, but it's kind of funny. He got it mixed up. It's all good, though. He said even if he... He's more of an involvement in the sequel. He still was entertaining in this movie and he had me laughing here and there. I can't forget how the Johnny Five robot was done. Uh, how it was operated and interacted with everyone made me occasionally believe that maybe it is alive. It also helped on how Tom Blandly voiced him and uh, keeping it from sounding too robotic. I would rate this movie a three and a half out of five. It's a better one of the two movies, but the sequel isn't that far off from this one. Lastly, I got another picture comic to add to the others I sent you. Hope it's not an annoyance to you guys. That's all for my email. See you guys for Red Dawn. Uh, no, sir. I, I love all your artwork. I think it's so awesome you take the time out of your day to make that. Nobody has to do that, and for the fact that you do that is awesome. And uh, we are definitely going to do Red Dawn. Um, whenever that happens, it happens. So, And uh, that was Anthony, the epic emailer. So thank you, sir, as always. Now, uh, again, you probably didn't listen to the last episode, and uh, our new... Our new uh, STL Nation member, um, which the last episode I gave him his nickname, uh, which is Cheerful Charlie. Uh, as you guys know, when you write into the show, I give you a nickname. It usually takes one or two times before uh, I can figure out a good name for you. But Charlie is just a super nice guy, and we're we're you know he's always got some great and nice to say on Facebook and I was like nice just is kind of a lame word so I came up with cheerful Charlie and he digs it so uh, he sent an email and he said hi guys and gals I'm very excited for the next podcast looking forward to what Masunas has for us I did read that the last episode but just in case you didn't hear it I wanted you guys to um, to hear what Charlie had to say so we have um, we have an email from uh, Sebastian uh, he sent one on short circuit, but I'm trying to figure out the right one because there's one he sent by mistake and one he meant to. Okay, he said, uh, hi, uh, short my circuits podcast. Uh, and this is from Sebastian the Comedian. He says, I hope my emails is sent in on time. Anyways, I never heard of this movie until someone on the podcast kept talking about it. Trying to find it became a challenge. I may see it later this week and give my review. And... Um, then he wrote in on um, 
he didn't write in anymore in Short Circuit, but he wrote in on TV shows. And he says, hi there. This is a list of TV shows I'm, curr- I'm watching currently. House MD, Alcatraz, the J.J. Abrams produced, Hawaii Five-O, Glee, New Girl, Justified, Persons of Interest, Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Nikita, Fringe, Once Upon a Time, or, or Lost Girl, Depends on My Mood, and The Good Wife. My actual favorite TV shows canceled or on air are Gargoyles, Fringe, Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, Adventures of Tintin. Yes, there is a film by Lord of the Rings director that is a fond memory of my youth. Transformers, Beast Wars, and Lie to Me, a Tim Roth as a human lie dictator. So that is what uh, Sebastian the Comedian had to say. All right, and our final email comes from the brand new member of the STL Nation, which comes from Jason A. And uh, I read his email on the last episode during my Ford Fairlane. And um, here is, uh, I'll go ahead and read you what his original email was, just in case you didn't listen to it. It, It's not too long. Um, He said, hi, Mike. I just want to let you know how much I enjoyed the show. You and I uh, love most of the same movies. Uh, I do need to correct one of your errors though. Top Gun is not a chick flick. And he puts that in capital letters. And I was gonna I was gonna call him Jason um Jason Top Gun. Uh, you know, it's kind of his nickname, but I'll have to see how he feels about that. I was gonna call him Jason the Top Gun A or something like that. So I don't know, I'm still working on it. And he said, I just started listening a few weeks ago and I have listened up through Iron Eagle. He said the show is great and well thought out. I'm happy to see you moved away from a scene-by-scene description started doing just a general plot with high points, which I commented on this on the last episode. I have no idea why I did that in the beginning of the podcast, why I thought it was such a great idea to do a scene-by-scene review when people flip and watch the movie and know scene-by-scene. So I'm sorry, guys, that I ever did that back in the day. It's horrible to go back to listen to that stuff, but uh, I agree with you, sir. I'm so glad that I stopped doing that. Um, He said, a few things that I think will improve the show is to tell the name of the band and song when you play the song which um, I emailed him back and I said are you talking about the music spotlight but he was talking about when I'm uh, doing movies and I'm playing music from the movies that's what he was talking about you know name the artist and the song from the movie which for the most part I think I've been doing uh, but I told him that I would definitely keep an eye on that and do that uh, do that some more he said a few things I think will improve the show um, he says also help people if they want to buy the song on iTunes. Also maybe try and throw in some movie trivia. IMDB uh, has a section for movies, uh, for most of the movies related to trivia. Bottom line, it's a great show. I'll continue to listen happily. Keep up the great work. All the best. Jason A. So thank you, sir. Um, I know I read this last email, but uh, it's so great to have another member of the STL Nation. And uh, as I mentioned before, I hope you continue to write in. And sure enough, what does he do? He wrote in again. And this literally just came in like five minutes ago. So this is pretty cool. He says, Mike, I just finished listening to Fort Fairling. Uh, Thanks for the thoughtful nod at the email. Uh, I feel I need to clarify. I love Iron Eagle as much as Top Gun. In fact, those movies are what inspired me to become a pilot. 
I think that's flipping awesome that, uh, you know, it inspired you to become a pilot. Cause you know, I was the same way. I, I loved Iron Eagle and I was like, man, it'd be awesome to be a pilot. But here's the thing. I could never do it because I'm afraid of heights. If I get above anything over four feet, I start to freak out and have a panic attack. So I could never flip and be a pilot. And he said, um, I have skipped around a lot in the shows, but I completely agree with you about one thing. Gremlins is completely a Christmas movie, almost as much as Die Hard. That's awesome. He said, there are a few moments from The Greatest Generation that I think would like... Oh, there are a few movies from The Greatest Generation that I would like to recommend. The first one is Big Man on Campus. Oh my gosh. Oh wow, that is awesome. It's kind of an 80s spin on a hunchback of Notre Dame. I have not seen it in years because it's unavailable on DVD, but it's hilarious. That is so funny that you said that because I watched that movie. I swear the first time I watched it, I cried because the ending, there's a scene towards the end that's so sad that they do that I just fell in love with that movie. And now, of course, I would never cry, but I watched it younger. And that movie is so flipping good. And oh, the next one is Morgan Stewart's Coming Home. It stars the legendary John Cryer as the son of a politician brought home from boarding school to help his father's campaign. You, sir, are right. You love all the movies that I do. I have spent years upon years looking for this flick. I am a huge fan of John Cryer. I love Hiding Out. Hiding Out is one of my top 50 movies of all time. I flippin' love Hiding Out. My second favorite John Cryer film is Morgan Stewart's Coming Home. And he's got this really cool, he loves horror movies. He's got like this Toby Hopper, uh, all this stuff all in his room and he's got this chainsaw. It's flippin' awesome movie. And I swear, I think Sarah Jessica Parker is in the film, but I'm not I'm not 100% sure on that. Like I said, it's been forever since I've seen it. Um, but I hear ya. Um, he said that... Uh, Oh, what does he say? The next one is uh, John Cryer. It's is a really unappreciated comedy. The fact that it's so unknown makes it want to punch kittens. I hear you, sir. I've actually looked for it on YouTube. So um, I've actually gone to the deep, darkest world called uh, the Internet searching for that film. And I still can't find it. So maybe one day, sir, we will get lucky. Um, Adventures of Ford Fairling was kind of hard for me to decide to do because it is kind of hard to find it's not on itunes but you can find it on like amazon you can buy the vhs for like five bucks so i thought eh, i'll do ford fairling but uh to do those two movies i would love to do but i would have a feeling only you and i are the only people on the planet that have seen those films uh he's got another one it's uh numero c 1984's firstborn it stars peter weller and terry gar it also stars a very young Corey haim i'm sure you've seen this movie but if you have not shame on you capital letters all right jason you have busted me sir i've never flipping seen this movie and i swear i thought i saw every Corey haim movie there was so thank you for this uh, I'm going to have to go look for this one. He said, The last one I thought was Buckaroo Banzai, Across the Eighth Dimension. What a fun movie. It poses a serious film that makes fun of itself. It does it brilliantly. Some aside movies that I really liked were Clue, great movie, Transylvania 6, uh, 5000, and uh, Remo Williams. Thanks again for acknowledgement. Take care, best. 
Jason A. So here's here's your nickname, sir. Th- tell me if you think this is cool. I'm just gonna call you Top Gun Jason. So it's pretty cool. I like the nickname. Hopefully you do too. If you don't like it, let me know, sir, on the next one. But uh, I I really dug it, sir. Uh, great email. It's kind of funny how that came in. Um, good time. So that guys is uh, that is all the emails that I have. So thank you guys so much for all of your emails Um, I love to hear from you guys it's awesome that the STL nation is finally growing we got Charlie added and we got Top Gun well we got we got cheerful Charlie and we got Top Gun Jason officially added to the STL nation and it's awesome so uh, let's go ahead and get into our music spotlight here comes the ready and now here comes the boys from the side Right. So, music spotlight. Real quick, before um, I get into that, um, during the break, uh, you guys heard a song, and uh, that was actually a world premiere song that I played for you. Um, it actually is not out yet. It's uh, from 12 Stones. It's called Infected. The song does not officially release until February 28th. Um, I hope you dug the song. It is. I've been listening to the song for a couple months, but it's officially never been released until uh, now. The, they world premiered the video, which had the lyrics to it. It's on YouTube, and they're starting to play this song on the radio. Uh, but you can officially purchase this song worldwide on February 28th. So I hope you dug that song. I can tell you right now that I don't think any song will beat this spot as my number one song of 2012. Just throwing that challenge up there. Uh, I love that song. And uh, I'll tell you, I've gotten a lot of people into that song. And uh, it's flipping awesome. And then also, uh, planning on doing a live show uh, for the 50th episode. Um, it's going to be crazy. Not doing Never Back Down. Going to do a live show. I figured, why the heck not? And it's going to be a fun one. Uh, not going to. Here's what we're going to do. It's pretty much just going to be a hangout time. It's going to be pretty much, uh, you know, you guys in the chat and just kind of asking away whatever questions you have. And just we'll pick a movie that we've all seen, that every person on the planet's seen, so we can just kind of we can talk about it, but at the same time we can get off topic and and nobody will. And nobody will care that we're getting off topic. So I kind of want to know what's kind of a movie that you think everybody's seen that we can all enjoy. I mean, you're thinking Ghostbusters. I mean, uh, what kind of movie are you thinking that everybody's seen? So uh, that's going to be coming in a couple of weeks. So uh, I'm hoping that goes into effect. Worst case scenario, if I can't do a live show, I'll try to make the 50th episode pretty flipping awesome. So that's what I got before I get into the music spotlight that I wanted to say. So, Music Spotlight. I got two songs for you. Just because it's a double feature, you should have two songs. Uh, The first one is um, the song that I was like, okay, Short Circuit. What am I going to pick for a song about a robot? Uh, You know, because normally, uh, granted, I haven't always picked songs that are are themed with the movie, but for this case, I was like, 
it was just kind of in my head and then all of a sudden a song came on the radio that I was like hey this is perfect and it's uh and I love this song it's P.O.D.'s Alive because I'm like hey that's perfect a movie about a, a live robot and then this song comes on so I'm sure you guys have heard it the song came out on September 11th um it was a big song it really blew up P.O.D. on the uh you know just everywhere their album went crazy platinum status and uh, it was kind of an anthem song and uh, and the song is definitely meaningful in different various ways which is pretty cool I love songs like that so that's the first spotlight song uh, is P.O.D.'s Alive and then the second one is going out to Whitney Houston um, I'm picking my favorite song from Whitney which is uh, I Want to Dance with Somebody because that's the first Whitney Houston song I ever heard and I fell in love with it instantly I love the video. I love her hair. Uh, she was just in such a happy place back then. And it's definitely, when I think of Whitney Houston, I think of that song and I think of that music video. And uh, this is definitely dedicated to to her memory and uh, how much she'll be missed. And uh, I definitely want to pick a, a fun song. You know, I Will Always Love You is probably her most famous song from The Bodyguard. But it's it's so slow and it's such a sad song. And I, I really wanted to celebrate Wendy Houston with just a fun, uh, a fun memory and a fun song. So I picked that one. So those are my... Uh, my music spotlight so if you guys want to write in i'd love it if you guys could review the show on itunes even if you don't want to spend the time and write a review just go to the star rating and rate the show i got 12 ratings right now and eight reviews so any more would be awesome uh and then if you want to write the show it's sweep delay podcast yahoo.com if you're not a fan on the facebook page yet it's www dot facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast uh on twitter stl podcast you can also follow on twitter on the facebook page i have a twitter link on there so you can follow from there so it's good times guys thank you so much for sticking around this past year it's been awesome and i plan on making this show even better and we're going to have tons of fun this year and uh it's going to be great great times so uh, i'm going to sign off for today guys you and uh, Tuesday uh, coming back and we're going to talk some short circuit too so go watch that movie and then make sure you email in before Tuesday at 4pm Central Standard Time because that's when I start recording so go out there watch short circuit too and uh, and that's it guys so you take care Masunas out
the fear. 